Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. Take a seat, crew. And I'm Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, you know, it's a privilege to be able to stand before you. And I get to say this often, but on the authority of God's word, God loves you. He knows you, and He loves you. And uh, the whole idea of what we've sung about this morning—this concept of grace—that we can be free, that we can be forgiven, that we can be be forgiven of the sins in our life. You know, the whole idea of being a, a disciple revolves around this word "follow." When Jesus called out the first disciples, he said to them, come and follow me. His idea was, come and follow me. The implication is you leave something behind and you join him. And we we go on a journey with him. So this idea of what we leave behind, though, centers around, I leave behind my sin. I confess my sin as sin. I tell him what it is. I call it what it is. It's sin. And it needs to be left behind. And I ask and I, I begin to follow Jesus, and I, I trust him to save me from that, to forgive me from that. You know, as we come in on a morning like this, you may not be familiar with church. This may be a whole new thing for you. You're like, what, what are these words that we sing, and what are these things that we do? Those words are significant for us because they explain a a gospel that we believe that has changed our lives. And my prayer is changes your life as you put your faith and your trust in Jesus that you could be forgiven and freed from your sin. And you could do that even right this second, sitting in your seat. You could ask the Lord to forgive you to, and then begin a journey of following him and chasing him. And I pray that you would even right now and, uh, and share that with somebody today that you've trusted Jesus in your life. Well, today is our annual meeting, and so what we're going to do is actually take a little bit of a break from the series we've been in called Mothers, Brothers, and Others, and we're going to head a little bit of a different direction today, talking about just some church things, and, and uh, it's not the annual meeting, but it, it kind of sets us up for the annual meeting later on, some things that occasionally we need to just kind of review and take a look at in Scripture, and uh, some things pertaining to just understanding uh, who we are as a church. So later after this service, about 1230, I hope you stay. You don't have to be a member to stay for the annual meeting, but it's a celebration. It's not a, a formal, well, it is formal in the sense that we have to follow a few things, but a few, few orders of how we do it. But it's a celebration in the sense that we get to hear how God's been working and, uh, and where we're going as a church. And we're going to stay focused on this concept of making disciples, on being a church that is all about making disciples and seeing them flourish in Christ, being a church that's alive. And uh, so we're going to talk about that later on. But since this church was founded in 1991, since Randy and Alicia Clark moved to this valley and began to see River of Life planted, you know, that prayer has been a foundational piece of River of Life. Prayer is one of the things that, as if you listen to anybody who was here in the early days, they'll tell you they prayed and prayed and prayed, and God acted when they prayed. And that, I hope, will continue, not just I hope, that will continue to be a mark of our church. It needs to be something that we continue to put out there and be a part of who we are as a church. Well, I would like to invite our elder team, those who are currently serving as elders, to come up here. 
I asked them to come up for a specific reason. I want you to see them, and they're going to line up across the front on the floor down here. And we're going to talk, you're going to get introduced to them again here. Some of you may know these guys. Others of you, uh, you may not know who they are. But there's a reason why I would bring the elder team up here. We have a great group of elders. Not every church is blessed with elders in a, a group this size who, are, who lead well. We have it here at River of Life, and it's, it's a tremendous blessing to me and to the rest of us as a congregation, isn't it, to have a great group of elders, and uh, I'm very thankful for them. I think one is missing today because he's sick, Toby. We think maybe he's faking it, but uh, we don't know for sure, but Toby's not here, um, but he also, he's been up front quite a bit, so many of you would know who Toby is, but this is our team, and uh, we have a great group, and I asked their, their wives to come up as well because their wives are very invested in the ministry alongside of their husbands. And uh, so I wanted you to see who they are. We're going to talk a little bit about what an elder is and what an elder does in just a moment here. But your question, guys, is we're going to pass the mic down. They're all going to introduce themselves. And your question for this service is this. What is your favorite part of River of Life? You can only do it in one sentence because we don't have time for long explanations. Okay. I'm Brian, lead pastor, Rochelle is my wife, and my favorite part of River of Life is um, that this is our home away from home. We're away from family. You guys are family for us. You took mine. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say just the body life and the fellowship that we have and how quickly we have felt embraced here and loved and love all of you. In first, Bob's running sound, and in first service, this microphone did not work, so he had to go running back and turn on the microphone. I'm Bob Mining, and just the fellowship of the people here, just great people here. I'm Mike Myers, and yeah, the family, just the relationships, the family that we have. I'm Sherry Myers, and it would just be... Um, the way that we all serve each other and run to each other's aid. You know, we're just all, like Mike said, we're family. I'm Vern Downs, and I think that's going to be the theme of this whole list. <laughs> <laughs> this is family. That's all there is to it. I'm Laura Jean Downs, and I'm going to deviate from the norm. I definitely agree with all that. But the missions focus of this church and the fact that we are strategically here to support an overseas mission is, um, trumps it all for me. Uh, I'm Lauren, and while, yes, you guys are my family away from family, I also just love the worship being with you guys. It's just a little piece of what heaven's going to be like. Don't hate me for what I'm about to say. Uh, he, he loves working the, with me. That's the, the, what first, the first thing that, <laughs> honestly, the first thing that came to my mind was when we had an elder meeting and we shot shotguns out in the desert. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts about this body, I guess. It came to my mind. Matt, remember you told me earlier, too, my preaching was the other thing? That, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm John McClung, and I would say the unity of this family. I'm Lori McClung, and I would say I just feel like this body lives out their faith, which is a little redundant, but maybe a little different, too. Yeah, it's redundant. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, I'm Jeff Piper, and uh, on mornings like this, the worship, uh, nice job, Matt and team, just, it's, it's so reassuring. 
I'm Mark Tabor, and I mean, there are many, many things, but I love the fact that there are lots and lots and lots of little people yeah. in this church, mm-hmm. our kids. I'm Diane Foley, and I think I would say um, people that help me grow in Christ and keep loving me even when I mess up. And I'm Tim Foley, and while shotguns are a very close second, uh, (laughs) probably the thing that uh, is just the amount of behind-the-scenes love and care that go on in this church and things that most people never know about, Uh, that's what it means. Good, yeah. We have a great team, you guys. I've come to appreciate each and every one of them. And they don't like to do this, but I'm going to make them stand for a few minutes in front of you because, again, we need to see who our elders are and know. And I want to explain to you as a church, again, things you probably know, but things that we need to review once in a while about what an elder is and an elder isn't. So some things that an elder is not. This group of elders is not a board of trustees as in a business model. Though we meet together and we have business and and direction and we lead, we're not a board of trustees that's removed from the people. And we as an, an elder group want to say we are called to and we understand we are called to be involved in lives, in your lives. And that is our goal is to be able to be involved in your lives and a present in your life. So that's one of the things that we are not. We are not a good old boys club. And what I mean is we are not a club that you join and you get some sort of special privilege. And yes, we're friends and we're tight because we spend a lot of time together. But at the same time, this is a, a group that is, is about serving. This is a group not about privilege, but about serving. And so that's what we, we are about as elders. Another thing is this, is that this group standing in front of you is not perfect. And we would be the first ones to tell you. Scripture has a very high bar, and we're going to read some verses in a few moments that talk about that high bar. And that's terrifying to all of us, isn't it? <laughs> when we read that, it's, it's wow. But at the same time, we know we're not perfect, and we need God's grace. God's working in our lives, and we seek Him to work in our lives. And, and we're also works in progress. Another thing is that as you look at us, we are not all the same. There's a diverse group here. Diverse in age, diverse in talents, diverse in uh, backgrounds and places we come from. And that's a good thing. Uh, we as leaders need to have that diversity. We want, we want not to be just the same. And uh, we value each other's input. We value what, what different people bring to this team. And uh, so that helps us round out as a, as a group as well. So a couple of things of what an elder is, and I'm going to just try to go through a little list here. Elders are shepherds who oversee. Scripture uses that word. 1 Peter 5, 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. We are shepherds in the sense that we want to help shepherd you as a church your souls, you individually, to know you and help guide you spiritually. So we work in unity. We want to work together in that. We work as a team. We don't work as individuals. But we, as a church, need to know we can come to this group. See them as pastors. See them as equivalent to Matt and I, who are simply our calling is that we're able to elder full-time all the time, but come to them because they desire to serve you and to be, be a part of your life. And uh, so be uh, engaging with them. 
They help us as a church stay on track in doctrine and in teaching, and they help just direct us and guide us as a church. Another role that they fill is being equippers. You know, this is an interesting one. In, in Ephesians, it talks about, and he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. You see, their role isn't to do all the work of the church, the ministry work. It's to equip us as a church to be able to carry that out. The church functions when the body is partaking and participating in being ministers. And so part of their role is to help equip you. Another one is this, is leading by serving. They're servants. If you notice, you'll find a lot of times our elders are here serving in ways that you you'd be blown away by. I've seen them mop floors in the bathroom. I've seen them be the last ones to clean up chairs and tables. It's not always glamorous. It's a lot of hard work, but they serve. And that's one of the things that an elder is called to do. They're examples. They're teachers. And again, we're imperfect. We're imperfect people. First Timothy 4.12 tells, t- talks to uh, elders and it says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. They understand that a lot rides on their life, on their spiritual life, and how they serve and how they, they participate in things and their, their doctrine. Another thing is that this group is a prayer group. They pray for you. Do you guys know what a privilege this is to have elders who pray for you? They pray regularly for you. Our elders meet on the first and second Tuesdays of every month at 6 a.m. They're in this building before the sun is up praying for you for individual things that we're aware of. We pray for you as a whole. And it's a privilege for these guys to do it. They pray quietly, alone, with their, with their spouses for you. And they're engaged in prayer, wrestling in prayer for you. And I think that's an awesome thing out of this group too. But last but not least, this is your group. They're available to you. And they want to serve you. And so it's important for us to see who they are and to know them and uh, understand their role as elders. And so how about if we honor them just with a round of applause and say thank you to them for what they do. We need to be praying for them regularly. There's a real spiritual attack when you are a leader in God's church. And we need to pray protection for our elder team. One person we also need to mention is Mark Tabor, tall guy, Towards the end, Mark, raise your hand. He's shrinking down. Raise your hand, Mark. Mark is is coming off of our elder team with this annual meeting. Mark has served very faithfully over the years he's been here at River of Life, and I know he'll continue to serve, but he's going to take a rest from the elder team. He has been on a governing board or an elder in a church, minus, I think he said one, two, or three years, somewhere in there, since 1991. Now, there's a man who's been faithful to God's call and, and leading and serving in that way. Thank you, Mark. Let's pray for them. Father, I just pray for us uh, as a church that your blessing would be upon us, not because we demand it, but because you grant it to us in grace, that we would stay focused on the right things. I pray for this elder team, Lord, that you continue to give unity, give us vision and purpose and direction as an elder team. Thank you for the work you've done in this team. And even over the year where there wasn't a pastor, Lord, the way that this group came together and led well. And Lord, we we thank you for that. What a privilege it is to be in a church that has good leaders. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to equip them and empower them for the task at hand. 
which none of us have the strength for, but we have confidence in you, God. And we pray all this, pray for your protection in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. You may have a seat here. So we're going to read a few scriptures because I believe it's important that we review these every once in a while as a church. We're just going to read them. They're going to be on the screen, three sections of scripture that talk about elders and what elders do and who they are called to be. First one's from 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. I'm just going to read straight through these. It is a lot of reading, but just read along with me because it's important. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those your, your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd arrives, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Another passage from 1 Timothy. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Hold on just a second. Do you notice that Paul tells us, and and we believe that the office of elders for a male here, but when we're talking about this, he says it's a good thing for us to aspire to this. But let me say this, it's a good thing for all of us to aspire to these qualities that he's going to list. So, Let's keep reading. Verse 2, Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for, for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. The next one. It's from Titus. This is why I left you in Crete, so that you may that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So order is natural in a church. It's normal in a church to have order. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. That's a tall order for anybody. Those verses that describe that and our elders seek to live that and have God's work in our lives. Scripture also gives help and charge to the church, that's us, In this way, in Hebrews, it talks about this. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls and those who will have to give an account. Let them do it with joy and not with groaning, for what would be, that would be of no advantage to you. 
So as a church, we support and we love our elders and we work hard alongside of them. And as we enter into today, we get to uh, have the privilege as members of voting on two new elder candidates, guys who have answered the call and said yes, they'll let their name stand for that. But as a church, as you think back from where we were a year ago, consider where River of Life was a year ago. We have great roots at River of Life. We had great ministry under two pastors prior to me who did wonderful things ministering to this church and seeing it grow and come a long ways. And then when you have a pastor leave, you think of the precarious point that is for a church and what could happen. And River of Life went a whole year without a pastor, which in some ways was a good thing for the church because it caused kind of that sense of of ownership to happen again and that sense of, okay, where are we as a church and evaluation. But it also is a spot where some churches could go into a decline, right? You know what is the grace of God? River of Life grew during that year. River of Life grew. In fact, it became a stronger place where we saw God's work happening. More people came around it. Stories of God's work continued to happen and it's pretty amazing to look at that. And as we look into the future, where we're headed as a church, so some of the things that we had before, we will continue as a foundation here. But we want to be a church that's alive in Christ. Our name is River of Life, right? We want to be a church that's full of life in Christ. And so we pray that for our church. We pray that for our, our leadership team as they continue to guide us and help us along to be able to see that. And, and be able to head that direction. So we're going to have two guys that are going to come up before you today and share their background and their story in a few minutes to be able to give you some picture of who they are as leaders. The first one is David Edwards, and I'd like to invite, invite David to come on up here and join me on the platform. David's going to tell you a little bit of his story. David is a, a husband and dad of two kids, and uh, David is a school teacher. In fact, both of the guys that are going to share their story today are school teachers. So that means they're tough. <laughs> what grades do you teach again? So, uh, it's really 16 to 21 year olds at R5 High School. Okay, six, is, did you hear that? Because I didn't have the microphone on. He said 16 to 21 year olds at R5 High School. So you know he's, he's been through war. Brandon, the one who's going to come up in a minute, he's a middle school teacher and wrestling coach. Yeah, by the way, Brandon, my brother, so my brother Steve, who's one below me in our family order, he... You know, I was, I was older and bigger, and I could take him on until he started wrestling. So I'm not sure what I think of wrestling coaches, because everything changed in my life around that time. So David is a school teacher. He's also a journey group leader. He's served in a whole bunch of different areas in the church along with his wife. But David, would you share with us a little bit of your story of how God has brought you even to this point in your life? Yeah. Uh, i got to start by saying that it is really a privilege and an honor to uh, be considered for an elder role here at this church. Uh, I love River of Life, and I love the people here as I look out. Um, so uh, if confirmed, uh, I really do. I thank you for this opportunity. Uh, like, I, like Brian said, I've been, uh, my wife Jessica and I have been married for about eight years, and we have two little ones, Adam and Lily. Lily will be five here in uh, about a month, and... Adam is three years old, and um, we'll get to them. They're, they're a whole life lesson, growing, me growing, learning how to grow, uh, learning how to be a father there. Uh, but really, my testimony starts in a great Christian home. Uh, 
heard the gospel in a great church and uh, great parents. And I prayed the prayer many times as a youngling. Wasn't always sure that it worked, so I prayed it again, and then I prayed it again. Um, you know how that goes. And uh, we'll go ahead and skip ahead to college. And in college, I got involved with Master Plan Ministries, great ministry. Uh, Hope and Forrest McCleary are members of this church, and they are on staff on this campus through Master Plan Ministries. So if you are looking for missionaries here in this valley to support, please consider supporting Hope and Forrest. Um, because this ministry is a big part of my testimony. Uh, so I get to college campus, and uh, right away I meet uh, Kyle Kostreva. Many of you probably know him. And uh, he was a leader. He said, hey, I want to disciple you. And I was like, okay. Not sure what that looks like, but I'm on, I'm on board. And uh, we met every week for about five years. Uh, and through that discipleship, I really grew. Uh, he challenged me to read my Bible on my own. And it was in Tolman Hall that I started reading the book of John. And everything in the prior 18 to 19 years that I had heard growing up in children's church and youth group and from my parents, uh, it came alive and it became real because I was making my faith my own uh, for the first time. <clears throat> uh, but at the same time, uh, I was uh, still dating an old girlfriend, doing a long distance thing. And we got caught up in a lot of sin, and I was living a double life. And I don't know how many of you have been here where you're living one way, and then you're keeping your other life separate over here, and you try to keep one out from the other. And so over here, I was learning about Jesus and trying to make my faith my own, and over here, I was still selfish and indulging in the sinful nature that I knew was wrong, but I didn't care. Uh, and it wasn't until I really got caught, and I couldn't, I couldn't continue a double life, like, there's just no way out, uh, that I finally took the step to confess my sin, and I was terrified, to be honest with you. It's scary when you know that you're wrong, and you feel really guilty, and you feel a lot of shame um, to confess that, and so I was afraid. But I, I, you know, I loved Kyle, and I was like, okay, I'm going to talk to him. Uh, and I wanted to read a few passages for you. Galatians 6.1 uh, says, Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And then Romans 2.4 says that it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. And, uh, you know, Kyle was a great example of that gentle kind restoration, that forgiveness that Jesus is so longing to give us. Um, and so I, I did, I had that confession, and I was just like, God, I can't, I can't do this. And then it clicked. Uh, I finally realized that I couldn't get rid of this shame and this guilt and this sin on my own strength, and that's why Jesus came. That's why he died. Uh, and that's the power of his resurrection, the power of living free from sin. Uh, and from that moment, that was a a real moment of clarity and a real moment of uh, stepping out and saying, okay, I'm ready to live for Christ and not for myself. Uh, and what's great is that a few months later, you know, I took that first step to confess my sin and then I got a little bit easier and, and then I met Jessica and it was a little bit easier to tell her what I had done in my past. And uh, she looked at me and she said, you know, uh, it doesn't really matter what you did in the past. I really like who you are now. 
They're like, I forgive you. And I was like, that's a good woman. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to need to be forgiven many times. And uh, in that moment, that's how I knew that I wanted to marry her. Um, and, and I just have to say this real quickly. And if you are in that place where you are stuck in sin and you don't know how to get out of it, Jesus is the only way out. And today is the day to confess it. Um, start living in freedom and not in shame and hiding. Okay? Um, so I met Jess and I realized that I really wanted to marry her and life got real. Uh, ended up, I was blessed to get a job at R5 High School right out of college and I've been there eight, for eight years now. And, um, a passage that has really stuck with me is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. It says, uh, be on guard, be alert, stand firm in your faith, act like men, do all that you do in love. And I just, I want to be a man of God. And the definition of manliness is to do everything you do in love. Uh, and so that's kind of been my challenge. For the last eight years, we got married, and um, learning adulting uh, is really learning what it means to love and do everything I can out of love. Um, and, you know, I've had a lot of opportunities to grow in that. You know, and it started with learning how to do dishes, to love my wife, and um, that sort of a thing, and learning to love my students, uh, whom I do love dearly, learning to love my coworkers, um, and then learning to love my children and really realizing that nothing I have is mine. Uh, everything is theirs, including my time, and, um, and that's okay, uh, because I get love in return which is great. Uh, and then learning to love this body. Uh, and I've really uh, grown spiritually here at River of Life. Uh, and so I really I thank you guys for being a part of that. Um, I've been a, a member of the governing board here uh, for two years. I've been, my, my wife and I, we've led a journey group for the last five years or so. And uh, we've been blessed with some of our best friendships uh, through that journey group. Um, Jessica was the director of our children's ministry for a little while, and uh, since stepping down, we've continued to serve in the nursery, um, volunteering in the, the nursery. And uh, I've been up here a few times, uh, kind of a substitute speaker for youth group and uh, occasionally here for the congregation. Um, so if confirmed, I, I do have sort of a prayer uh, and that is Galatians 6.10. Galatians 6.10 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those of the household of the faith. Uh, and it is my prayer that we can continue to do good for each other, um, here in this body especially, and here in this community in Grand Junction. So. Thanks. Awesome. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, David. You and Jessica have been a vital part of River of Life, and, and uh, it's good to hear the importance of discipleship in your life. Man, um, what an impact that makes over a long period of time, brick by brick, faith is built in people, and uh, what an important role that, that is. Our other uh, guy who's going to share his story is Brandon Stockert. Now, Brandon, come on up here. Remember, we're not 
later on, we're not voting between two people. This is both of these guys, been, their names have been put forward for two positions, so it'd be a confirmation of them. These are not, they're not, I didn't ask them to come up and make a campaign speech to you. You know what I mean? That just gets, we don't do that around here. Yes, Starkard for president. That's not what this is. So Brandon, would you, Brandon also, uh, he's going to share a story. He's, he's husband of Rihanna. Did I say her name right? Rhiannon. Okay. She's going to throw something at me. Rhiannon. Dad of three kids, three adopted kids that they brought into their home and and loved and made them their own. Um, Also a school teacher and Brandon has served in a whole bunch of different areas. He's also on the board with Children with Hope. Or sorry, not Children with Hope. Father to the Fatherless. fatherless. So so Father to the Fatherless board. And uh, Brandon, tell us your story of how God has worked in your life. Will do. All right, thank you guys. Uh, my wife and I came here about five years ago now, and we were on the church shopping uh, r- routine, and we had gone to several different churches, and we had our checklist, and River of Life checked off two of our first ones. It was great worship, uh, heartfelt worship. It was uh, doctrinally sound, but the thing that really won me over to, to River of Life was to see so many congregants that were uh, living a, a life on fire for God, that so many people involved with missions, so many people that were foster parents, so many people that uh, were doing great things in the community, and that's what really sold us. And the, the fact that I would be considered as an elder five years later of this body is, is honoring, and I hope that I can aspire to be a, a, a person worthy of, of that honor. But I'll start with my uh, a, a testimony, let you guys know me a little bit better. I, I grew up in a uh, home similar to David's. He said uh, he was, uh, I was, grew up in a family that was uh, church-going. They we took, uh, took me to Sunday school. They were fantastic parents, the best parents you could ever wish for. Very sheltered kid. I uh, grew up in Loma, had everything that a kid could ever want, uh, had the perfect childhood, that uh, leave-it-to-beaver kind of childhood. It was absolutely perfect. I uh, went to Sunday school, was the, you know, in every one of the Christmas plays, did the youth group, was baptized at 14 in the tank in front of church, and had, had crossed off all of those things off the checklist as a youth. But uh, it was not uh, my own faith at that point. It was a, a faith that was only stuck in, in between my ears and my head there. It had not reached my heart, and that was obvious as I went to college and became the statistic of the kid that goes away to college and loses his faith and loses his way. And uh, those people that uh, are involved at this church with, uh, with a campus ministry, you guys have such a powerful, uh, a powerful place that I wish uh, you would have been in, in my life because that was not uh, at my college. I joked in first service that I considered my college an unreached people group, uh, as bad as many other foreign countries that you might be thinking of when you think of that. And there was just a very, very little influence from the Lord. It was a very dark place spiritually. And the people I surrounded myself with were not people that encouraged my growth. They were people who allowed me to drift and encouraged me to drift at a faster rate along that path. And the first two years, I would consider drifting away. And uh, the last three, I would consider more of running away. I, I ran as far away as, from God as I could. It seemed like I had uh, done all the things I should have. I was the person that was a rule follower. I checked off all those lists. I was, a, I was a good kid, you know, followed, abided by all those different rules, and life was not going the way I thought it should. The other people that weren't following those rules seemed to be having a lot more fun than I was. And so I decided to try that out for a while, and I found the error of that way uh, very quickly. I, I reached a dead end. I went further and further into a depression trying that route. And um, I've, in retrospect, I think I'm a little bit thankful that I've done that. The Lord has allowed me to see uh, the dead end of those ways and has, has allowed me to never even consider going that uh, route again because now I've actually 
seeing where, where that leads. And uh, I came home from college. That was a good thing to leave that uh, in environment that I was in and, and came back and, and the Lord worked in a way. I think he's worked in several other people's lives and that's through a pretty woman. And I met at work and uh, she, she caught me off, uh, off, off guard. Uh, when uh, I was supposed to have a shift working with her, I'd been warned that she was the Jesus freak and that she's going to talk to you about Bible and tell you how big of a sinner you are. And I was like, oh, no, here we go. Um, I'm in for it this time. But uh, upon you know, entering that uh, shift, I figured out, oh, she's, uh, she's at least pretty. And then that <laughs> Jesus freak part actually captivated me. I had not been around a person who loved Jesus the way she did in a very long time. I had not seen someone just... Like ooze the Holy Spirit, uh, love all the fruits of the Spirit just came out of this woman, and I was captivated by that. and And luckily, she was patient with me enough to uh, to, to marry me and uh, w- walk me along in that path. Of uh, I went back to church and uh, I started to very quickly try to become the man that would be a spiritual a spiritual leader for for her, which was very hard because she was so far ahead of me at that time. But anyways, nonetheless, I tried the best I could and started reading the Word and praying and going back to church and, and trying to do all the things that I had done, you know, b- before college. And still, though, at that point, I think I was still just a Christian in my mind and not in my heart yet, and uh, the, the Lord was not done with me, luckily, and I worked through several, uh, several different circumstances. Uh, the, one of them was that my wife and I had been married for five years and had not yet had any kids, and there was no reason for it. Uh, there was no actual any kind of expl- explainable purpose for that. And we both loved kids. We both knew that we were going to have kids. We're great with kids. We're both teachers. And so the thought that God would give us that desire for kids and then not have any kids when everybody else was having kids that didn't want them was horrifying to us. We were just, what is going on? And as that went on, it became more of a conflict with God, of an, an arguing match with God, where I would you know, be saying, what do you want from me? And, and you know, what is your purpose in this? And I was so confused by that. But uh, that wrestling with God luckily ended up with me losing that wrestling match. That was one that I, I'm glad I, I lost. And uh, the Lord uh, laid a, uh, a foster care on me at a, at a perfect time. It was a time where I was feeling like I was stagnant, feeling like there were so many people around me that seemed to have that fire, the Holy Spirit, you know, working in their lives. And I was on the sidelines. You know, I'd study the, you know, study the Bible. I knew the Word. I could debate most people in theology, but I was not living a life that reflected, you know, that I was a Christian. A stranger probably wouldn't. It would take them a very long time before they would even know that I was a Christian, and I did not like that. So, luckily, wrestling with God, He laid uh, foster care on my heart in a very powerful way. I could tell you guys more about that if you're interested, but spoke to me in a very audible, physical way, and. And uh, got me on the path of being a foster parent, and uh, and doing that is a very sanctifying process, to say the least. Bringing kids in and loving on them, when the thought of them being taken out of your house at a, at a future time is always on on the top of your mind. And uh, the children all had some health concerns when they were when they were younger, and those were some very difficult times. And uh, it allowed me to, well, it forced me to lean on the Lord very, very hard, and uh, uh, forced me to throw down some deep spiritual roots during that process and uh, uh, feel like I was actually doing something uh, for the Lord. And uh, through this process, it's also allowed me to switch that, what I just said, doing something for the Lord, to doing something with the Lord. And the thought of uh, adoption, just the, the love that I had for my kids that was just unfathomable. I never knew that love was possible. The love, the love I had for my kids who were basically strangers to me, 
that uh, I had brought into my home but would do anything, absolutely anything for and only wanted the best for them and loved them uh, uh, terribly. So the thought of that, that God had adopted me and uh, chosen me as a stranger when he had uh, no claim to me otherwise, uh, there's not a biological kid that he adopted me and chose me and loves me and wants the best for me and wants to spend time with me and that kind of melted my, my heart and allowed him to uh, live more in my heart and uh, leave just my head and uh, I'm, I'm grateful that, uh, that that whole process has taken place because now I'm, I'm doing things with God instead of for God and that completely changes everything. I'm allowed to, to work on Father to the Fatherless's board and see the work that he's going on there and in several other places in my life and I'm just uh, happy that God's allowed me to be his servant and work alongside of him and be able to call him Abba Father. Great. Thank you. Brandon, appreciate you guys getting up here and telling us your story and, and letting us get to know you. Um, it's important for us as a church body to know them. So should God confirm you, Brandon and uh, David, later on uh, through the body here, the task in front of us as a church, the church is a spiritual thing. It's not just a physical thing. This is just a building we have, but the church is people. There's a spiritual war that we're all engaged in. It's a war over souls. And the, the task in front of us as a church is it's too big for man, people, anybody to take on. But our confidence lies in God. A God who, when we read the Bible, we see this God explained of, of his power and his might and his ability to handle those things. And our tapping into that, one of the key things for us that's vital is prayer. And so as, as coming in as elders, one of the important things for you guys and for us as a church to remember is that issue of prayer. You know, there are people uh, who are not serving as elders who would be qualified to be elders because there just aren't as many positions as we have people who could serve in those areas. There's plenty of spots where we serve in the body of Christ. And the thing that people do that are following Jesus and seeking him is we just pour ourselves into his church. We love his church and we, we give ourselves to it. Paul said in Ephesians 3 that as he talked about his life and how he was called to share the gospel, he would do that through the church so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He engaged the spiritual battle through the church. The church is God's plan. It's his plan for Grand Junction. We need more good, healthy churches in Grand Junction. We need good, healthy, Christ-centered churches around the world and missions. Church planting is the key to the longevity of missions. You know, when you look at what Paul did, when he went throughout the book of Acts, when he went into places, he always left a church behind, a functioning church, a body of believers who came together, organized together for worship and for mission of what Christ has called them to. We're going to just skip a lot of what we had planned and what we were able to do in first service because somehow the clock got away from us. But I want to point out one thing of what a, a leader does, and this is to all of us. A leader, anybody who's ministering anywhere within the church, a word that I think we need to highlight is this. A leader serves. A leader serves. They give their life in service to God. What does that mean? It's a, it's a pure kind of serving. It's a backwards way than what most of the world looks at because when somebody gets in a position of leading or ministering or serving, it actually, there's a temptation to warp us. It can change us. 
Because we might see that as a spot where power can be gained, where we could use it for our own benefit in some way, where even the notice from people can become pride. And that's a danger. You know, Andy Stanley said one time that anybody who's ever strapped on a microphone in church has a little little Lady Gaga in them. (laughs) Meaning, we can turn it into being about ourselves. No, I don't have that, though. I, you don't, don't start picturing things in your mind. <laughs> we, as leaders, as ministers, serve. In Matthew 20, a woman who was the mother of James and John, the disciples, came to Jesus, and she was, in this chapter, describes how she was asking Jesus if her sons could have a special spot in the kingdom. She asked if after they die, could they sit on Jesus' right, right side? Could they be that close to, not on Jesus, sorry, on the Father's right side, so that they could be that close to the Father? A place of honor, a place of privilege. And Jesus said it wasn't for his to, to assign that. He couldn't assign that. But what he did say to us is a completely different picture. So what he said is this. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So the way of the world, and even in some places within the church, unfortunately, is to use position to lord it over people for their own selfish gain. But Jesus said, it shall not be so among you, church. But whatever would be, whoever would be great among you must first be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the example of serving. And ministers and leaders serve first. That's all of us. Our call is to minister, and then we serve as ministers. Our youth group, you know, is is growing even though they don't have a youth pastor. God is doing amazing things in that youth group. We have a great leadership team surrounding that. They meet on Wednesday nights, by the way, grades 6 through 12, and we have an awesome team. We're still looking for a youth pastor. God will bring us the right person at the right time, but, but they're meeting. And recently, they went on a youth retreat, and the stomach bug went around on the youth retreat. As youth leaders, that just causes terror. I, I did youth ministry for many years, and it just so happened that one kid got sick during the night and had, had lost it on the stairs, and it sat there for a while. And in the morning, the youth leaders were ready to go tackle that. This is servanthood. So one youth leader who's been with the youth group for a long time, older youth leader, came alongside a younger youth leader. And they cleaned that together. And when they came back, he said this to me. He goes, we have a leader in that guy. And I said, why? And he goes, because he served. Talk about service, right? That's what service looks like. Leaders are the last ones to leave. Leaders are the last ones and the first ones to to jump into the work, the dirty work. It's not about glamour. A lot of it goes unnoticed. Leadership is messy and it's dirty and it's gross sometimes. But leaders get in the trenches with people. God's calling us as a church to be servants, not to be known by the people around us and be noticed for what we do. We do have a call to be known but to be known by whom? By Christ, right? 
that we will be known by him for what we've done for him and in service to him. And so as a church, that's our charge. Lord Jesus, as we leave from here this morning, dare we ask for opportunity today to serve. After that story, it makes me afraid to ask that. But Lord, you might open up opportunity for us to be little, that you might be much. And so Lord, we pray that that you would help us to learn to simply be humble servants of you. Loving you, loving your church, loving the people of the church, loving our community, serving our community, showing the gospel to people in our actions. God, just simplify us. Make us humble before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, in about 10 minutes, we're going to start our annual meeting in here. We'd love for you to stay for that. Um, If you have to go, we understand that too. But uh, go in peace today as you head out of here. Be Christ's hands and feet to this world, okay? We'll see you next week.